I want you to think with me this morning about Christmas being a season of anticipation. And um, I want you just, our minds just to, to go there. And I want us to spend some moments, uh, not only this Sunday, but next Sunday, just thinking about Christmas as a season of anticipation. There is something inherently embedded in the Christmas season that lends itself to anticipation. And we, uh, we sense this when we were little kids. <laughs> you know, there's always this, this idea of Christmas is coming, you know, and obviously we think a lot of a lot of those terms just about the gifts that we're going to get. Let's just be real honest. Why is it for little children that there is this sense of anticipation? And let's just be honest today to say, well, because when it got to Christmas time, we were going to get gifts. And so there's just kind of this, and we build it up as families. And we, we instill it in our children when they're small, that Christmas is coming. And we, it's, it's a season to anticipate. Um, I noticed in our home, there's, there's a little calendar that counts down the 25 days until Christmas. And there's this little felt thing that we move and it, it counts down the days. And Amy, uh, there's also that little, that little antique um, pick up on the mantle that has the little blocks that have numbers in it and you count down the days to Christmas. That's new. Anyhow, I, don't, I, I probably have a receipt on it. I just don't know about it yet. But anyhow, I'm sure it was Hobby Lobby if you want to pick one up. It, if you wait a few days, it'll be on sale. It's always on sale. My wife tells me at Hobby Lobby. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. Sorry, I'm digging a hole this morning. Uh, we talk about, we have little phrases about this sense of anticipation at Christmas and, and the build up to it. We, we talk about something being as slow as Christmas. It's like, oh, it's never going to get here. But, but if you think about it, there is no holiday that has the sense of anticipation as Christmas. Even if you just look at it from a secular perspective. Think about it. I mean, in fact, this year, we have we started way early with our anticipation. Because I, I think there was something in the midst of 2020. We needed something of hope that we were looking forward to. And so I'm pretty sure people were decorating a lot earlier than they normally do. We were we were gearing up. I don't know if we're going to be able to sustain it all the way till the 25th, but we started way early, but hopefully we've got momentum. We're going to make it. But, but think about that. I think that's so true this year that the sense of anticipation is maybe even heightened in the midst of the circumstances that we find ourselves in. There is something, something inherently embedded in the Christmas season that lends itself 
to anticipation. And I kind of want to, I want to point out something that's, uh, I want to say is deeply philosophical. Uh, And it is, there's a reason in the spiritual realm that that is true and even surfaces in the secular expression of Christmas. I would say the reason, even, even if you're not a Christian, there is this sense of anticipation. That sense of, of anticipation emanates from something deep inside the Christmas story. I know that's, I need you to think about that. Even the superficial, secular expression of Christmas, the reason it is there, and really quite honestly from a secular perspective, you say, why? Why is there such a buildup? And I would say because spiritually deep, deeply embedded in the Christmas story, there is something that lends itself to anticipation. And I want us to think about that for a few minutes this morning in a man's life by the name of Simeon. And it's a story that's told in Luke chapter (laughs) 2. It just occurred to me this week, it's like we always end the Christmas story in Luke 2. 20. Like the shepherds get there and it's like, mm, finish with the story. But we've already incorporated those verses that uh, of the parents dedicating Jesus at the Jerusalem temple. And then when we come to verse 25 of Luke 2, we have a story of Simeon. And then it's starting in verse 36. Next Sunday, we're going to see a few verses on a lady by the name of Anna. And they are what I would call two, our two examples of anticipation in the first Christmas story. Um, here's my point as we think about a season of anticipation. I don't want you to stop at the superficial level of the story. I understand. There is something about the season that lends itself to this anticipation, but if we're not careful, we will, we will stop at the superficial level that it's just an exciting time where we get gifts and family and all this stuff that we anticipate and it's coming, and we do not delve into the deeper aspect of the spiritual side of the story, that there's something embedded in the story that lends itself to this sense of anticipation and makes this a season of anticipation. Don't stop at the superficial. 
because that's not really where the story emanates from. It emanates at a deeper spiritual level. The story is told of Simeon. I told, I was, I told you all it was going to be a short sermon, didn't I? Yeah. Okay, let's see how that goes. We better read our scripture is my point. Luke chapter 2, verses 25 through 35. Um, hey, I'll read it real slow so I don't have to read it a second time, okay? Are you, are you with me? If you give me a few minutes, okay? If I'm, I'm asking for a shorter time, then let's, let's really focus. Luke 2, 25 through 35. Uh, and behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout. And actually, here's our phrase. Waiting for the consolation of Israel. We're going to have to come back to that. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he, Simeon, took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Then parenthetically, Yes, a sword will pierce through your soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Uh, our first example of a person who lived in what I would call holy anticipation is Simeon. And if I had to break down the word anticipation, and we see both of these aspects in Simeon's story, Anticipation is two words to me, waiting and hoping. We could even say anticipation is waiting in hope. That's what I see in, in Simeon. Let's take the first word, which gives the, the time element to Simeon's story. It's, it was about waiting. Uh, I mean, you've listened to the verses. I know y'all haven't probably read them before this morning, this week. Uh, Simeon was waiting 
Now, partly he was waiting because he was uh, in the Jewish faith. He was a devout man. He would have known the scriptures. And the Old Testament scriptures had prophesied that there was a Messiah who was to come. Um, <laughs> there's over four dozen prophecies about the Messiah and his I'm doing my devotional on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I'm covering those that relate to his birth. There were some that related just to the birth. And the Jews would have read those. One of the amazing things to me, if you just took Isaiah's prophecies in Isaiah 7 and 9, uh, those were written 700 years before Simeon. In Jesus. Did you hear me? 700 years. Uh, there's a, we know that this was in the mind of Simeon, this, what God had said, because he quotes this later in Isaiah 9 2, not a very prominent uh, messianic prophecy uh, as far as the Christmas story, but it says in Isaiah 9 2, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. And Simeon's going to uh, allude to this later. So what I'm saying is, Simeon is a good Jew, a devout man, would have been waiting. Think about it. They, they as a people had waited 700 years just since the prophecies of Isaiah. And for 400 years, there had been no prophetic word. In fact, the last prophetic word was in Malachi. And in chapter 3, it talks about this figure that will come to the temple. <laughs> this messianic figure will come to the temple. Wait, he is coming to the temple. So all the Jews were waiting on this. Specifically, um, Simeon though has something even more significant to him because the Holy Spirit had revealed to him that he would see with his physical eyes the Messiah. It says that in verse 26. So, yes, there's the prophecies, but it's been hundreds and hundreds of years. But Simeon is told by the Holy Spirit that he will see the Messiah before he dies. And we have to assume that he is led by the Holy Spirit, verse 27, to come to the temple that day when Mary and Joseph come with the child. And so part of Simeon's anticipation is his waiting. But the other part is not a time element, but it is a heart element, is that he was waiting in hope. Uh, and this ties into that, that phrase in verse 25 that says he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Obviously, you see the word waiting there. But this phrase, consolation of Israel, is a messianic term that speaks of the peace that the Messiah will bring. The Messiah is bringing peace. And this is, uh, I don't know how to describe it. It's just a, it's a, it's a messianic phrase. He is waiting for the consolation of Israel when the Messiah will bring peace the consolation 
to his people. He's, he's waiting for this. So anticipation is not just that we are waiting, but we are waiting, hoping for something better, greater, more significant than our present circumstances. So anticipation is a, generally we think it's a, it's a positive term. And the, the thing is, is in the midst of the waiting, I believe that Simeon was a man of faith, and so his waiting turns into hope because he is hoping for what God has said he will do. In the midst of the waiting and the hoping, the day comes, you can picture it in your brain, where the Holy Spirit says, today's the day. Go to the temple, watch. Watch. And Simeon says, the Holy Spirit must have welled up in and said, it's that child right there. And the thing in the story that I love is it erupts into a worship experience for Simeon. He has waited. His people have waited hundreds of years. I don't know how old Simeon is. We get this idea as an old, he's an old man. Maybe we associate him with the story of Anna that comes after that. We're not actually told that. He's just told, you're not going to die until you see the Messiah. But, but surely it had gone on for years. And he, is, he has waited and he has been hoping for this thing that God will do in bringing about his word, when the day comes, he erupts in worship. And you see his words in verse 29. He takes the child up in his arms, and it says that he blessed God, which is kind of interesting. He doesn't bless the child. <laughs> he blesses God. It is a worship experience. And notice what his words reveal about his heart. When when. When Simeon speaks these words, you get a picture into his heart of this sense of faith in the midst of his waiting, this sense of hope that God was going to do something greater, God was going to do something better. And he says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. I want you to see that when he says, basically, he's departing, he, he's he can die now because he has peace. It denotes that there was lack of peace before that. And I want you to get this picture. In the midst of those 700 years and in the midst of Simeon's life, however long that had been that he was waiting for the Messiah to come, there is this unresolved tension that things are not the way they ought to be. But in the midst of that... Simeon, in faith, is hoping for God to do something greater, something better. And he never lets go of that. And when the moment comes, worship erupts. Now I can depart in peace according to your word. God, I had believed your word, but now I see your word. It is no longer faith. It is reality. I have seen the Christ child. Verse 30, for my eyes have seen your salvation, the salvation, God, that you have brought. He, he doubles down on that thought in verse 31 when he says, which you have prepared. God, this is your salvation. Um, and it was a salvation that was beyond uh, the superficial because 
In Simeon's day, most people who were waiting for the Messiah were waiting for someone to come and to free them from the Roman oppression. Oh, but God had something far greater than that. And so many times we just stop at the superficial. I've already talked about that. And we don't see the depths. But the Holy Spirit had taken Simeon to the depths to say, no, it is greater than just the Roman oppression It is about the oppression of sin that has an eternal effect. And so he talks about, For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all people. And it wasn't just for the the Jewish people. But alluding to Isaiah 9, to a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles. And the glory of your people, Israel. God, you will do a work that is not just going to bring some kind of freedom for Israel, but this is a salvation that will be for all people. I want to just say this, and I'm not going to read this, but verses 33, 34, and 35, when when Simeon speaks again, he alludes to the fact that that salvation will come at a price. There will be a price that must be paid. And even Mary, it will be as if a sword is thrust through your own heart. Now there is a price that must be paid. Because ultimately, the Messiah would be the one according to the scriptures. And this is what most of the prophecies speak of. He will be the one who will suffer and die. He will be the lamb who is slain for the sins of all people that all people might have the opportunity to believe and come to faith in Him. Uh, So every Christmas, we relive this sense of anticipation as Simeon did in that first Christmas. And every year we celebrate the fulfillment of God and bringing forth the Savior. And kind of my philosophical question is, why do we still, if God has already brought to pass what he said he would bring to pass, why do we still have this inherent, embedded idea of anticipation at Christmas? Because here's the reality. The birth of Jesus was only the beginning. And it was his first coming. But now us on the other side of his first coming and his not only his birth, but his, his life and his death and his resurrection, his ascension to the Father. But we wait. Our anticipation is of his second coming. And we live in that same unresolved tension that things are not as they ought to be. But as people of faith, we wait in faith and we hope that God has something greater. God has something better. And that is the anticipation for us this side of the first Christmas. And I would ask that your faith would take you to a deeper place in the Christmas story this year as you live out that same kind of anticipation
which is waiting in faith and hoping for God to do something greater. I want to ask this morning for the praise team to come back up on the stage and there's a song I want to end with. Uh, and as they come, I, I, there's some things I want to say. Uh, that uh, Christmas, from its very beginning, was a season of worship because there was this sense of anticipation, this waiting, this hoping. But when the day came, even we see it in the angels, there is just, when Jesus is born, there is this eruption from the heavenly side of worship. And, and, it, and, it, and it strikes me that the songs of worship at Christmas capture not only that sense of worship, but the songs also uh, capture this sense of the un unresolved tension of our day, waiting for the peace that only the Messiah can bring, the waiting and the hoping. The songs of Christmas invariably capture the sense of anticipation. And I don't know if you've thought about it. But I got to going through the songs and in old little town of Bethlehem, there is a line that says, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Uh, it came upon a midnight clear. There's a verse that says, for lo, the days are hastening on by prophets seen of old when with the ever-circling years shall come the time foretold. There is this sense in the midst of that that invariably the word is come. Lord, we ask that you come. And so, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lowly exile here until the Son of God appears. A song we don't sing much Christmas, it says, Come, thou long-expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From, from our fears and sins release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the world thou art, dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. And then I, I thought about the classic Christmas song, Oh Holy Night. And I know we'll, I'm sure we'll sing it before <laughs> this season is over. And it speaks about that longing, but it also, that anticipation, but also the worship that erupts. It says, Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees, O oh, hear the angel voices, O oh, night divine, O oh, night when Christ was born. O oh, night, O oh, holy night, O oh, night divine.